you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to Genesis 29. And while you're turning there, I just had on my heart, especially setting up at the hospital and pondering a few things, that last week I taught on the life of Jacob. And I'm going to do that again today, and I'm going to do that again next Sunday. I want to take three key places in Jacob's life and use them to teach us this morning. Last week I talked about beans. Everybody say beans. beans. I was riding with my daughter the other day, and I was, as we normally do, we were talking about spiritual things. I was bringing her home, or maybe even back up here to youth. I can't remember which, but I kind of asked her, what would you think? What would you get out of that? And she said, well, I don't understand what beans are. And I said, well, they were cooking lentils, which are just beans. It's, Jacob was cooking lentils, and Esau comes in out of the field. And one thing that I maybe didn't really hammer home that is so important to understand about that story is that in the moment Esau was tricked but also saw something with his eyes because in, in the story he just looks and says, red, red, red. And it's the word in Hebrew, whenever you wanted to make something in Hebrew really stand out, like if you wanted somebody to have peace, you would say shalom once. If you wanted to say peace, peace, you would say shalom, shalom. If you want to say, I want you to have the best peace you could possibly have, you'd say shalom, shalom, shalom. So him saying this over and over, he, he was really hooked to something in the moment that was read because Hebrews believed that life was in the blood, and it is according to God. All they knew about blood was if you run out of it, you die, right? So he's saying, I can't live without this. And my point was that sometimes we trade what God wants to do in the long run for something that is temporarily going to give us a moment, hear me, a moment of joy and happiness But what God has for you is something that will last a lifetime. Amen? As I began to continue to ponder that, I want to talk today from Genesis 29. And I want to use these four characters this morning in my story. I don't use people in the Bible as types of something because I think that could get kind of taken out of control. But in this story, I want to use these four characters, which Jacob has included. We know Jacob has... He, he's left his home and his family and everybody, and he's traveling and getting away from Esau's anger of being tricked out of the birthright because the firstborn was the one that inherited. Jacob tricks Esau. We talked about last week. Jacob is running, and in the in between where we're going to go today and before that, Jacob has a profound experience with God. He lays his head down on a rock. And while he's there sleeping, he saw the heavens open and he named it Bethel. God was, the angels of God were descending and ascending. And he's had this experience, but he continues to travel on away from his trickery. Jacob means liar. It means, his name literally means deceiver. It means one who tricks. And he finds his way and finds other family members to begin to dwell with. And we're going to look at these three people, four people rather, three people, four people, as types. Everybody say type. type. And I want you to get this and, or else you won't understand anything about my sermon. Laban is his person he's working for. And Laban is a type of the Heavenly Father, a type of your Heavenly Father. If you've committed your life to Christ, you are now in the family of God and you have a Father in Heaven who loves you and wants to take care of you. The problem with using people as types is they're not perfect. Amen. So as we read this, we understand God would never operate this way, but we see some lessons in Jacob's life that are very profound, and I want to bring them out today. Jacob is a type of yourself. So Laban is a type of the Heavenly Father. Jacob is a type of you. Say, Jacob is me. Jacob is me. And then we're going to look at Rachel and Leah in the story. And Rachel is a type of a dream that you have, a vision that you have, something that God has placed within your heart that you want to accomplish for him. And Leah is a type of reality. Everybody say reality. Reality. Look down here, verse 15, and we'll pick up the story. After Jacob had stayed with him, who is Laban, a type of our Heavenly Father, for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I will work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. 
Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. Father, for these next few moments and minutes as we open your word, I pray as I always do that, Lord, anything said of Jason Hanks would fall by the wayside. But, Lord, whatever is said under the leading and unction and guidance of the Holy Spirit would go into the hearts of the people today to change our lives, to encourage our hearts, to to literally, Lord, be the lifter over our head. And, Father, help birth dreams in this house this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So what happened here is Laban is a type of your heavenly father, is asking Jacob, a type of yourself, Jacob, what is it you desire for your wages? And how many would like a boss that asked you that question? Just be honest with me this morning. Wouldn't you love to have a boss that came to you and said, hey, what do you want to get paid? But I want to begin this morning by laying out in this story something very important about God and the way that he operates in our lives. And I came to tell you this morning that God wants you to have a dream. Everybody say dream. dream. God wants you to have a dream that he places in your heart. As Rachel, as a type of the dream, we see in the story that Jacob looks around and from a very natural perspective sees something that is beautiful. Uh, Rachel is described in the Bible as just, she was beautiful, gorgeous, beautiful woman that he sees. And from a natural standpoint, he looks and says, I want the dream. I want the beautiful one. I want this one named Rachel. And dreams or vision, dreams and visions are incredibly important because even Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. But I have a question for you this morning. How many have, you would be sitting here today and say, I have a dream in my heart. I have something that God has placed there that only God could accomplish through faith, through his power, and through his leading. We should, because this is my point. People with dreams accomplish something. I don't think it's an accident that he said young men will will see visions and old men will dream dreams because I'm looking at people today that maybe your dream has scattered. Maybe your dream is dying. Maybe your dream is you feel like it's been left by the wayside. But I've learned a very valuable principle in life. Most people don't get what they want because they don't know what they want. Are you listening to me this morning? Listen, a dream will keep you fresh in life in ministry. You want to avoid burnout. You want to avoid depression. You want to avoid not being able to accomplish the dream God has in your heart. It's good to start like it is in this story, like Laban is asking Jacob, what is your dream? What, what, what is it you want for your wages? So get back, getting back to the story, Jacob responds and Laban says, I want Rachel, which is a type of dream. The word says this, that she was lovely in form and appearance. And one version, I like this, it says, she was beautiful of form and face. So Rachel is a type of our dream. Listen, I hope when you dream dreams for God that they're beautiful. Amen? It's supposed to be beautiful. You see, your dream always has the best. Your ideal is always up here. Your dream is so awesome, you can barely believe that you would accomplish it. Then the Bible describes Leah. Everybody say Leah. Leah. I hope I don't get myself in trouble because she may be watching, probably is, from recuperating there in her bed this morning. But then the Bible begins to describe Leah. And it doesn't give a lot of description, but let me get maybe take a little liberty and give you a description of Leah. That it says she had weak eyes. In other words, Leah wasn't the one that you would naturally look at and be attracted to. She, w- she wasn't the one that you would look at and choose and pick. And I'm setting you up this morning. Just follow with me all the way through. As a matter of fact, we may take a little license and say perhaps she had three hair. Three hairs, of, three hairs on her head. Maybe missing a few teeth. Come on, somebody. May, I tell you what. Her breath was so bad you could smell it coming around the corner. Rachel and Leah in front of Jacob. Laban is a type of the heavenly father saying, what should your wages be? naturally he is going to look and choose that which looks like from an outward appearance 
is what he had a desire for. And I'm not sure what she looked like. I'm not sure exactly. But it wasn't something attractive. It wasn't something that you would naturally, in a natural way, look and say, that's what I want. Listen, our lives parallel this story right here. Much in the same way as last week, our lives parallel the story of sometimes we trade a momentary pleasure for God's high calling. Sometimes we trade what's in front of us for something God has down the road. And Jacob's an interesting character in the Bible, and I relate to him in a way that maybe you don't, but let me tell you why I relate to him. How many in here have a trouble learning your lessons? Oh, amen. Like you're the kid that was told, don't touch that, it's hot, don't touch that, it's hot, don't touch And you had to touch it. Or anybody else in there like, yeah, that's me too. When I read the whole entire story of Jacob, I see somebody. See, here's the thing about God. God will comfort you, but God will also confront you. Amen? Amen. God is not going to let you get by with continuing to be the deceiver, continuing to be the one. So in this story, God is setting him up and going to show him something that will carry throughout his life. And he could continue to pass down to the 12 tribes of Israel that are going to be birthed later on. But our lives parallel this story. And here's the way that it parallels this story. It parallels this story because when we have a choice in front of us, There's not anybody in this room when we have the choice, and especially, say, in a church service. When we have a choice in front of us, we don't say, well, God, I want a whole dose of reality, right? We see a choice and we say, I want the dream. Nobody goes into your job and says, boy, I hope I get a pay cut today. Come on. Nobody goes to school and says, I hope I flunk the test. Amen? It parallels our, our lives because we see this story that with something is right in front of him, He makes a choice based on a natural rather than a supernatural revelation. I came to tell you this morning, you should have a dream because dreams will keep you motivated. Dreams will keep you fresh. Dreams will keep you... A lot of people give up because they get disappointed because they don't understand how God operates and works in their lives. And in this story, it parallels our lives because from a natural perspective, he made what looked like a good decision, but here in a minute... We're going to, my story is similar, very similar to what I'm describing here today. And this is why this is such a, uh, this is why this is such a close message to my heart because I've literally lived this. I mentioned last week as a part of my testimony that when God called me, I was finally just so close to realizing I had already realized my dream. I'd been in business for myself as a landscape designer for a year. In that year, I was able to pay off all my equipment and God was really blessing me. I was tithing. I was tithing off my business. I was giving. I was proud to be able to make the kind of money to be able to bless somebody else. How many understand that's what life's about? So then God calls me and begins to direct me towards the ministry. And and naturally in my mind, I thought, well, I'll have my business and I'll go to Bible school at night and I'll just keep my business and keep it going and bless people. And I'll just serve around my church. I was already serving in a couple capacities at that time. And I'm like, Lord, I'll do this. And then God began to deal with me in a deeper way, not to go into too much detail, but God began to show me that I wasn't going to be planted where I was for very much longer. He was going to uproot and move me, and all I knew was it was going to be far away. And that, 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 that kind of made, it, it did, like anybody moving away from your family, moving away from the people you love and making sacrifices, it was hard. But even in Bible school, it was the first time I ever took school seriously, was Bible school. Aren't you all glad that I did that? Amen? Like, thank God our pastor actually studied in Bible school. Good job, pastor. But, man, I was so excited, and I was so... And God had shown me several visions during that time of of all these people in the Valley of Decision and, you know, people getting saved. And throughout 20 years of full-time ministry, we've seen thousands on the mission field. We've seen hundreds through the ministry that we've done in churches and just... All these things that God showed me as the dream and things that I was living for and, uh, you know, working towards and fighting battles and, and sacrificing for. It was interesting because here after Lee and I got married, we went on the mission field together, the same trip that we presented this morning in Mexico City. And one day I looked around and I'm literally working in a garbage dump. 
with doctors and nurses and dentists and people from churches who went in and cut kids' hair for them and bandaged knees and gave out toys and loved on them. And that was a ministry Leah was doing when we got married, so we naturally went together and did that ministry. But here's my point. I had a dream that God showed me back here, and when I looked around, I said, God, this doesn't look like the dream. What am I doing here? What? There's dust in my mouth. There's flies all over me. This place smells. It was hard. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I believe in my future, but right now it's not looking too good. Right now it's not looking like what I had asked you for back here. Our first important key this morning is found in verse 19. And it's this. Stay with me. Everybody say that. Stay with me. See, the key is this. Our Heavenly Father has our lives in His hands. And whether we want what He is offering or not, the key is in verse 19, and it's simply stay with God. Don't walk out on God. Don't turn your back on God. Don't fall away from God. Stick with Him. Because I came to tell you something this morning. He is in control. Look back down at verse 20. We're going to break this down a little bit more. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Look back up this way. Anybody ever been in love? If you're married and you're sitting next to your spouse, please raise your hand. I don't want to do any marriage counseling this week. i got a full plate. Please. You're like, I guess. Here's what I've noticed about my dream. When I'm working towards and for my dream, I will pay any price. I will climb any mountain. I will do anything to accomplish what God places in my heart. If you're wondering if you're serving and living for your dream or you're living for something else, ask yourself the question, do you get up every morning and you feel like it's drudgery to go about your day? It may be a sign that you're not living for your dream. Here's what I've learned. Anything that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Amen? Amen. There was a question that rolled around in my spirit. That when does a dream become, uh, when does a dream become reality? Or, or when is a dream versus a fantasy? It's when we have something invested in it. Amen. When you have something invested in it, then it is a dream. And for instance... My wife and I, Leah, had a three-year long-distance relationship. Three years. Since she's not here, I'll tell you, she broke up with me twice during those three years. <laughs> and I don't mean long-distance since she lived a couple states away. I'm talking long-distance, and I would have phone calls with her working on the mission field in Mexico City. I would call her. She would call me from Cairo, Egypt, working in Egypt during those years. So it wasn't like long distance. It was long, long distance. But can I tell you something? Anybody remember when they didn't give you unlimited minutes on your cell phone? Yeah, yeah. My goodness. Thank God those days are gone. Come on. I was always going over my minutes. I had a business phone at the time working for the company I was working for, and I'd get called into the office. Thank God it was my oldest brother. Jason, you went over again. You're talking to Leah too long. But listen to me. Every flight I took, every time I jumped in a car and drove 16 hours, I loved every minute of it because I was in love with my dream and her name was Leah. That's how you know if you're working for your dream or you're working for something else is because it is something that doesn't seem like drudgery. Amen? Amen? Look back down to verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Jacob says this, give me my wife. You notice before he's, he's referring to her as Rachel. Before he's referring to her as the beautiful one, the Rachel. So he comes to Laban and he says, hey, give me my wife. And maybe you're too spiritual to admit this this morning. But how many have served God long enough to when you kind of feel like you should be able to say, God, this thing that I have been working towards, this thing that I have been sacrificing for, this thing that I have been pouring my heart into, we kind of come to a place where we start to think, okay, is Laban is a type of the Heavenly Father and Jacob is a type of yourself this morning, as Leah is a type of reality and Rachel is a type of dream, there comes a point in time where he finally says, hey, I have something coming to me. 
Have you ever felt that way? Yes. Have you ever felt that way where you've, you've prayed about it so long, you start to get a little bit of a different tone with even God Almighty Himself? And I want to say as a side note this morning, and this is important to understand, God owes you nothing. Come on. If He did nothing more than send His Son to die and to get you into heaven as a free gift from the Father, then He's done enough this morning. Amen. But that's not the only thing that He does. He's intimately involved in your life. He's intimately setting the stage of your life. He wants to place a fresh dream in your heart this morning. He wants to place a fresh anointing in your life to have when you wake up in the morning. You're not just living for making a little bit more money or barely making ends meet. We serve a God of abundance. But I I sense a little bit of something in Jacob that I have noticed in myself because there comes a time where I've started to say, God, haven't I served you? Haven't I, haven't I been, been patient in this? Haven't I prayed? Haven't I? And whenever we get in the place where we're saying, like, like Jacob did, give me my wife, it can be a difficult place to be. In other words, he's saying, God, where's my payday? Maybe you're too spiritual to admit this, but I'll admit it. I get impatient sometimes. Anybody else? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. He says, give me my wife. What he's saying is, I've served seven years for this thing. With form and appearance, payday is finally here. Look back down here at verse 22. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? The moral of that story is don't get married at night. You might marry the wrong one. But church, I preached about it last week. You cannot miss the irony and you cannot miss the providence of God of the one whose name was deceiver and trickster wakes up to a trick that he thought, I have worked seven years for this and it's time for my payday and I'm finally going to get what I, I'm finally going to get what I've been praying for. I'm finally going to get that dream. The door is finally opening for me to start that business that I've been wanting to start. The door is finally, and all the pieces are coming together to start this ministry that God's called me to. All these things are beginning to come into alignment. And let's look at this for just a minute. He had served, listen, he had served for Rachel... He had worked for this, but when he wakes up and rolls over, it's Leah. Three hair, bad breath, cross eyes. I didn't say this, the Bible's saying this. Cross eyes. And he looks and he says, imagine the hurt. Imagine the betrayal. Imagine the feeling of weight. I have done what I'm supposed to do. Where is my payday? Listen, we, you may not be there today, but you'll be there at some point. Where you, or If you're honest with me this morning, you say, God, did I not pray? God, did I not serve in that church? God, there's even people, and I'm speaking from the Holy Spirit right now in this moment. There are people that you've served in church and you've been so hurt by people. I just want to came to tell you this morning, that's people, that's not Jesus. Amen. He'll never let you down. Don't follow a church and don't follow a pastor and don't follow a preacher. Follow Him. And by following Him, you have grace with other people because you understand how much grace He has had with you. But let me, allow me to give a view from the Father's side because I'm a father. And I understand that I don't always give my kids what they want. I give my kids what they need. Leah is a type of reality. Listen to me. Listen to me. Between your promise and your Rachel, your dream, there is a whole lot of Leah. That's my sermon title, by the way, friends. A whole lot of Leah. Because that's where I am right now. A whole lot of nursing Leah. Amen? Be honest with me. How many have prayed for one thing and gotten another? Thank you. 
Amen. For you that didn't raise your hand, I want you to pray for me. Because if your prayers hit 100% all the time, I want you to pray. Listen, reality is a test. Reality is difficulties. Reality is tough. Reality is losing your health. Reality is, is not having enough money in the bank account. Reality is when you go to grab another diaper for the baby, you realize it's midnight and you ran out of them and you've got to run to the store. Come on, somebody. Yes. See young parents right back there. If you haven't been there, you will. <laughs> Listen, to understand who God is, we must understand how he works. And I'll say this. Many times I don't understand God. But can I tell you what the key is this morning? You want the key? Stay with God. Amen. Amen. I do know this. Laban says, okay, I will give you your dream, Rachel, but you have to work for me for seven more years. I do know this this morning. Nobody looks the same in 14 years than they did before. Because God is saying to Jacob and teaching him a lesson that we need to grab a hold of this morning. Because God is teaching Jacob. Jacob, it's not just about form and appearance and outward what it looks like on the outside. See, dreams are incredibly important. Dreams will keep you motivated. Dreams will keep you fresh. Dreams will keep you focused. Dreams will keep you moving in the direction that God wants because he sets the dream out there. But, and I thank God he doesn't do this. He doesn't show you all the reality in between the dream and the fulfillment. Amen? Amen. And it's the way God works in our lives. It's exactly the way he works. Because he's teaching Jacob something that we need to learn. God's way of doing things. God's way. You see, God will give you enough adversity to make sure you keep your hand tightly clenched in his. And he'll give you enough blessings to know that you serve a good God who is going to bless your life. Amen? Amen? That's who he is, and that's what he's teaching Jacob right here in this story. You see, God is far more concerned with your character than he is your comfort. We see in the life of Jacob, and we'll touch on this a lot more next week when we talk about Jacob wrestling with God and God changing his name in the, in, in the story of Jacob. We'll talk about that next week. But here, here's where Jacob is. Jacob is learning about character. Jacob is learning about, it's not just about the dream, it's about this. You know, I've come into churches, church services, I've come in and, I mean, I could practically be swinging from the chandeliers. And, you know, word goes forth that I lay a hold from the service I've been in from the pastor or somebody perhaps maybe come and give you a word from the Lord and you're just fired up and you're like, God, yes, you've confirmed that dream, you've confirmed that answer to prayer, I know it's coming. But on Monday morning, you still wake up with Leah. Monday morning, you still wake up with the reality of what's going on. Look back down here at verse 27. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. God just simply says, serve me. So Jacob keeps feeding camels. Jacob keeps digging ditches. Jacob keeps... Tending sheep, he keeps working, keeps moving towards the dream that he desired. Look at verse 28. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhan to his, to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Look back this way. Now, listen to me for just a minute. Now, he has both of them in the house together. And church, let me, let me fill you in on something. That's how life is. And if you don't understand that that's how life is, you will get so discouraged about what God and the dream that he put in your heart, you will get so discouraged that you forget that that is exactly how life is. Is he has the dream and he has reality living in the house at the same time. What happens to us, though, and this is important. Young people, listen to me for just a minute. What happens when we get a good dose of, and we wake up to a good dose of reality is we let our dreams scatter. 
and we don't fulfill the dream and the purpose that God has. I came to tell you this morning, life is full of hurts, it's full of disappointments, and bad things happen even when seeing the fulfillment of our dreams. I mean, I have had more Rachel manifestations in Lee and I's life and ministry over the last 10 or 15 years than I could ever count or understand. But I came to tell you this morning that I've also had a lot of Leah's. Amen? Amen. Even though I've seen the fulfillment of things God showed me 25 years ago, I am still looking for the future and I am still looking towards the down the road of things that have not been done and have not been fulfilled. But I also know that it, it's Leah's that dwell in the same household. My point is, don't ever lose your dream. Amen? Don't ever lose the vision that God has for you, the place that God has for you. You see, the reality is this. The difficult season has just as much purpose in your life as the dream has. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse 31 says this. When the Lord saw. Everybody say, "When when the Lord saw. It amazes me that this is the first time that the Lord is mentioned in any of these passages of Scripture. So here's what's going on behind the scenes. Let me me lay this out. Jacob is a trickster. Jacob is a liar. Jacob is a deceiver. Jacob is a hard worker. Jacob is evidently pretty loyal. Jacob is evidently somebody that's going to see the dream and work for the dream and move towards the dream. But it says, when the Lord saw that he loved Rachel more than he loved Leah, Rachel is a type of the dream. Leah is a type of waking up on Monday morning and you didn't know you were going to get that doctor's report. It's waking up on Monday morning and having to deal with your grumpy boss again. It's waking up on Monday morning and realizing your kid left his lunchbox in the kitchen for the 562nd time. That's my ministry right there. That's what's going on behind the scenes. God looks and he says, you know what? Jacob, and insert your name there. I can't tell you how many times God looks from heaven and he gives me the dream and he gives me the vision. And he says, it's not just about the form and beauty. It's not just about the vision that I've placed in your heart, Jason. It's about who I'm molding you to be. And I'm wanting to mold you in to be a person of character, a person of commitment, a person that doesn't run at the first sign of trouble. They, he had both of them in the house. Listen to me, and this is the most important thing. Look at me real close. If we are not willing to bear fruit during the difficult seasons of life, God will never allow you to bear fruit when you have the dream in the house. If we are not willing to... God, it says, and then the Lord saw that he was so in love with the pie in the sky, the, the dream, the, the thing that he thought he would never achieve and get. And God saw and said, until he learns to bear fruit where he is in the circumstances he's in, I will never open the womb of the dream and the promise. And some of you have been so angry with God and so upset with God because you're thinking, God, you told me this would happen and this is the way it would play out. And God is teaching you something so much more important than just an instant gratification of an answered prayer. He's teaching you how to walk by faith. He's teaching you how to bear fruit even when your husband won't quit being mean. Come on. Even when your wife says things that she shouldn't say. Even with your kids are doing things they shouldn't do. Even when your work doesn't seem like they appreciate you and they just don't you know, like you and all these other things. God will teach you more in the seasons when you wake up to Leah than when you have the dream in the house. Because if you're not willing to bear fruit in the difficult times, God will never bring into your life the dream that He has for you. Have you ever noticed that people will only bear fruit when everything's going their way? They'll only bear fruit when they got a little change in their pocket and, they, and, and, and things are just going just right. Then they'll say, God, I'll bear fruit for you. I'll serve you. I will, I will come to church. I will pray. I will worship. But listen, let a little adversity hit some of those people and you never see them again. Why? Because they weren't rooted and grounded in God and the understanding that we serve Him no matter what. So I came to tell you this morning, when everybody else wants to fall, you need to stand up. When everybody else wants to run, you need to run to the fight, not away from the fight. Because God is going to teach you something in adversity that you never could have learned when you had the dream. 
We make everything about the dream in the church, don't we? Bigger lights and bigger stages and better worship bands and bigger sanctuaries and bigger and better. And we've, we've created an industry out of everything's going to be fine and God just wants to bless you. God does want to bless you, but He also wants to teach you how to operate in faith. He wants to teach you how to birth something even in a season where it seems like it's barren. You may have come in here this morning and say, I'm dry, I'm barren, I'm in a wilderness. You need to look for the place God has for you and say, God, I don't care what it looks like on the outside. I'm going to do something. You're doing something on the inside. Amen. I mean, again, I was, even when I left the mission field, God, the, the grace for the mission field, we knew. We knew within, and God gave us a timeline. He said, within a year, I'm going to open the door and move you. We didn't know what that was. Everything that Lee and I have done has been completely... Coming here was completely by faith. People have asked me a question, how did you know? And how did you, I had a peace in my heart, but it was still a step of faith. Yes. And we, we fail to understand this about God, that the things that God places in our hearts and our lives, they're going to require us to understand there's, even though it's God, it still may be difficult. Come on, somebody. God was in control of this entire story from the get-go. And you notice something here. Jacob could have blamed Laban. Well, if Laban hadn't have tricked me. and I mean, the irony here that the trickster got tricked. Come on. The irony. You've got to see this. But he could have blamed Laban if it wasn't for you tricking me and if it wasn't for you doing this. Here's what some of you are doing. You're blaming your parents. You're blaming your boss. You're blaming your spouse. You're blaming the way you were raised. Stop blaming everybody else and take responsibility for your own stuff. And I tell you what else it doesn't say. It doesn't say that he divorced Leah. Amen? Why is that important? Because when we face adversity... What are we saying? We want to get rid of this as soon as we can. And I came to tell you something this morning. The way God operates, I'll tell you when He's going to open the door in front of you, when you've learned every lesson that He wants you to learn. I wish there was just sirens and lights that went off every time that there was a test that God's putting me through. Is that like siren? That's bad. I'm from England. That's how they do it. I wish there was a light that just went on so we could say, oh, test. But I usually don't understand that it was a test until I'm on the other side of it changed. Jacob was the same way because he saw that he wasn't going to bear fruit with the one that he had in the house as a type of reality because every time he woke up and walked through the kitchen... There was, there was Leah. Three hair. Stinky breath. My wife's fine with me preaching this message. I've preached it before. This, this message is my heart's message. It is. Because even when the door opened for me to move from the mission field, my pastor at our home church that we operated out of, he sat down with me and said, I really feel like the Holy Spirit's going to bring you on here as our outreach associate pastor and, and help here. We're growing. We need you. Is it, you pray about it and come back to me. Well, again, that fit into what God had told me years ago about what the plan of his life. I had a dream, and I knew I would go on the mission field. God told me years before that that I, for a period of time he would prepare me on the mission field, put me in the oven of, of adversity, and bake me real good so that I would be ready for the next place that he had for me. And man, I, I'm like, yeah. I said like, I said like, Jacob, what are you going to pay me? No, I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> what shall my wages be? No. You got to understand we spent years. Listen, you, you support and bless your missionaries that you're in your life. That's a hard call because you're, you're literally living by faith. I had checks show up in the mailbox that I never even knew coming, and it was exactly what I needed when I needed it. The just shall live by faith. So I I accepted the job. I went to work there. And, of course, I'd been around the church. We had a little office in another part of the church. But, you know, my first day, I'm like, oh, Pastor Jason has arrived. (laughs) 
Where's I, I said? Do I do I have a administrative assistant? They're like, no, you're everything. <laughs> you answer your own phone calls. You type your own letters. And within two days, we had an outreach. And over in Louisiana, they love to cook big pots of whatever. Be careful what you <laughs> It could be anything inside that pot if you're eating from a Cajun. Okay? Anything. They'll eat anything. They'll anything. And it's delicious. I mean, I don't know how you make raccoon taste delicious, but they can. I'm kidding. I've never done that before. Just a few days. We had this huge outreach. We were cooking a pot of jambalaya big enough to feed 350 people from it. And I got a call the night before the, uh, the outreach from the guy cooking the, the jambalaya. And it was late in the day. I, w- I think I'd stayed after. I was trying to make a good impression for my new job. I'm going to stay past 4 o'clock. Work. I got a call from him, and he said, Hey, we're cooking this tomorrow. Is all that sausage cut up? Cajuns love sausage. I'm doing sausage. And I thought, well, I don't know. I went out to the kitchen, opened the big things. And I want to say somewhere upwards of 25 or 30 pounds of sausage was not cut up. And I got it all out, and I was there by myself, went and found the sharpest knife I could. And when I put that out there and cut the first piece, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Welcome to your new job of ministry. I said, God, this isn't Rachel. Cut my finger. Uh (laughs) But see, God wasn't about my title or my, you know, the office and all. You understand? Yes. He was about me being a servant. See, until we understand that this whole thing is about us submitting to God in serving each other in any capacity and way that we can, God won't open the womb of Rachel for you. He won't do it. Verse 32, we aren't going to go through every single tribe born, so just glance down there at it. But in verse 32, through the rest of this part of the passage, he begins to talk about the tribes. You see, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob married Rachel and Leah, And Rachel and Leah birthed the 12 tribes of Israel. Are you tracking with me? That's the story. That's the promise that God had made to Abraham, that your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. Look up at the stars in the sky. Abraham, I have a dream. I have a place I'm going to bring you. I have a mighty nation that I'm going to birth you out of. And you say, what was so special about Abraham? I don't have any idea. I just know that God chooses who he chooses and works through who he wants to work through. And I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. Amen? Amen. But I want you to catch this. Catch this. Half of your success, there were half of the tribes were born from Rachel, and six of the tribes were born through Leah. Rachel is a type of the dream, and the dream is important because it keeps us focused and motivated, and reality is equally as important. Listen to me. Half of the tribes, half of the fruits... And Jacob's life was not born out of the good times. It was born out of adversity, reality, and difficulty. I came to tell you this morning, half of your fruit is going to be born out of a place where you don't think you could possibly bear fruit in. It is the truth. And what's the key? Stay with God. Listen, 50% of your breakthrough can be born out of feeding camels and digging ditches and doing the mundane, ordinary things of life in a way that's excellent. And listen, when I, 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 this was the other thing about cutting that sausage in the example that I gave. He, he told me how thick he wanted it. And then I argued. I didn't argue with him. I argued with the Holy Spirit. He says, I want it as thin as a nickel. 30 pounds of sausage as thin as a nickel. And my first cut was it was this thick. I'll get this cut. About the fourth cut, the Holy Spirit comes in and says, wait. Are you going to do what the man of God asked you to do or are you going to do it your way? I said, yes, Lord. And I began to cut that. 
I would love to say they were all this. They, they, some were pretty big. <laughs> some of the most powerful tribes that existed in Israel did not come out of the dream, the pie in the sky, the thing that we, the, the thing that we all think that we want from the very beginning. The thing that we all think that we want, just in a natural way, is Jacob is a type of ourself, is Laban is a type of the Heavenly Father that says, hey, I'm putting this out in front of you. What, what are you going to choose? There's nobody in this room that wouldn't choose the thing that is beautiful in form and function and that thing that we think, man, this is great, this is what I want. None of us would choose that. None of us would be in a place where we're like, ah, no, God, I want to go through some adversity. We don't, we don't choose that. But listen to me for just a second. Listen to me real close. Some of the tribes that were born out of Leah ended up, what I've learned about my life is too much good is no good. I know you want to be swinging from the chandeliers and me preaching that, you know, the God of the impossible, and he is the God of the impossible. I know you want to be swinging from the chandeliers and saying, God, Pastor, I'm not going to leave very encouraged that you're going to leave encouraged today. Because two of the main tribes of Israel, Levi and Judah, weren't born out of the dream. They were born out of the reality. They were born out of the hard season. They were born out of the difficulty. They were born out of that which you don't want to wake up to and face. There's something. Listen, Levi was the kingly tribe. It was the tribe that the the priests, rather, were going to come out of. And Judah was the tribe of praise. Everybody say praise. Praise. I got a key for you this morning that just in the same way that the the tribe of Levi, that the priest, which is ministry, listen to me, and the tribe that is Judah, which means praise. Listen, if if you would understand that in the midst of your reality, if you can just learn to praise your way through it, you will see fruit come out of that season. Your authority, which the priest, it says in the Bible that we're kings and priests, Jason. Kings and priests. And that we have authority. Everybody thinks that the Psalms came out of David. Listen to me. The Psalms came out of Leah. The Psalms came out of the place where you just have to make a decision that you're not going to give up. That you're going to keep pressing through. That you're going to get all the way through this thing. Because the fruit that you're seeking isn't going to come out of the dream. It's going to come out of just reality. It's going to come out of waking up in the morning and saying, God, I don't know how I'm even going to put my shoes on my feet and my pants and my shirt on and head to that job that I just can't. Whatever it is that's reality in your life, you need to see God in it and understand God is going to birth. Everybody say birth. Birth. He shut up the womb of this and he opened the womb of this. He opened the womb of Leah, the one that you would look at and from a natural perspective you would never choose. But it teaches us something about God that 50% of your success is going to come out of the hard times. Don't be afraid of them. We, we think that the Psalms came out of David. They came out of Leah. You think your authority is going to be birthed in the easy season. I came to tell you this morning, your authority is going to be birthed by continuing to keep your faith in God and continue to stand up and march forward towards what God called you and said you would do. Listen to me. I've been all over the world, all over the world. And you want to see somebody birth some Judas? Some of the places that I've been in, I've been standing in congregations where the people had absolutely nothing except for the joy of the Lord. They were faced with realities that were a hundred times harder than anything anybody in this room will ever face. But I saw joy. And I saw an authority. And I, you want to see praise? Come to the garbage dumps of Cairo, Egypt. And I'll show you somebody that can birth a Judah. Even though the circumstances around them are awful. And that's the place that God wants us to get to. That we will even bear fruit in the seasons where we think are barren. Because when you're with God and you're full of the Holy Spirit, there is no, there is absolutely no season that God can't show you something to bear fruit in. And I know I'm sitting in front of a group of people that are going through really difficult, hard times. And I've shared this, but I haven't gone into a whole lot of detail. This Last 10, 11 months have been probably the hardest 10, 11 months that I've ever faced in my entire life. Circumstance after circumstance after circumstance after circumstance. So always my first question is, God, what are you teaching me? 
God, don't change, don't open the womb of Rachel until I've learned how to be fruitful and multiply. You listening? With Leah. Because it stirs something in me that gives me hope that God is in control and will open the dream and the vision when He says the time is right. And it's not just a a date on the calendar. The timing is right when you've learned how to walk through some fires with your head held high. I've been preaching on it for weeks. You need to, I'm preaching to myself. Amen? Amen. You gotta have some grit. You do. You need to stand when everybody else wants to run. And you need to hunker down in faith when everything seems to be falling apart. And I talk to so many of you on a weekly basis. You're like, man, I'm just walking through this fire. Can I tell you, if the enemy is attacking all of us this bad, what does God have right on the other side? Because it excites me and it stirs me up because I have not seen all the fulfillment of Rachel in my life. I've been walking through a season of a lot of Leah. And God reminded me of this this past week as I'm sitting in the hospital starting to feel sorry for myself, much like I'm sure Jacob did. Well, Laban, if it wasn't for that old Laban, I wouldn't be in this. had nothing to do with Laban. You're blaming everybody else. When, when, you, when you give your life to God, listen, honey, he's in control. And he's not worried about your comfort. He's worried about your character. And he's worried about who he's creating you to be. And if you wonder who he's creating you to be, he loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like you are. He wants you to be like Jesus. And Jesus himself knew that the cross was before him. And he said he set his face like flint towards the promise, not for himself. And what God is bringing... Oh, I got a word for somebody in here. God, What God is bringing some of you through right now, you think it's about you. It's not about you. It's about what God's going to do in your future ministry, ministering to other people. Because when people begin to see... When I was in that hospital room and that first 24 hours were absolutely awful, and it wasn't awful for me, it was awful for the person I love more than anybody else but Jesus on this earth, and that's my wife. And it was awful, and I I began to kind of feel sorry for myself and just, God, why are we here? This has been week after week and month after month of just things blindsiding us and things happening and all this stuff going on. And the Holy Spirit just came to me and began to remind me, Jason, if you can praise me even when everything doesn't look like it's going your way, let some Judah be birthed in your heart. And I don't care if I offended the whole wing of the hospital. I just began to lift my voice in praise. I began to sing out a new song. Some of you have lost your song because you've forgotten that God's going to birth the best song when you come out on the other side of reality. And then then what happens is this. Then there's other people watching. Amen? And I'm looking around the room and I don't see her, but she promised me she would come to church. And that's the nurse that took care of us. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Woman, And it was my wife who was the evangelist of the family. Because she had already been taking care of her for about an hour before I got up there the day after her surgery. And she began to tell me about her and that she would come and visit our church and all these different things. In other words, we're being watched. And the world around us sees us go through the same reality. Oftentimes we say, if you serve God and you follow Him, then you're not going to go through any trials. Baloney. Baloney. How many can testify that you're going to go through some stuff? But listen, you don't go through it like everybody else goes through it. Because, honey, let me tell you, there can be a peace so deep in your heart because you know God has something on the other side of it. Stand with me this morning. Just begin to focus your heart on God right here in this moment because this is how I want to end this as I have. Because this amazes me. This absolutely amazes me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm in a room full of people looking out at many of you, many of you that have followed the Lord for a long time, a long time. And you, you've lived long enough to see a lot of Rachel manifestations, things God promised you have come to pass. I came to just stir something up in you, just like to stir it up in me, that I haven't seen everything that God promised me. I haven't seen it. But I still believe. 
some of you are here and you've walked through so much Leah, so much reality. You wake up, roll over and say, God, I didn't order that. I, I didn't. That, that wasn't on the menu. Why did I get that doctor's report? Why are all my cars gone now? Why, why am I sitting waiting on rides from other people? I'm a 49-year-old man. God, why is the most precious thing in my life? Why is she laying there in the hospital? Some of you have lived long enough. You've lived long enough to to understand what I'm about to say. Because Jacob gets all the way down. Listen to me. He gets all the way down to the very end of his life. The very end. And they're gathered around and they're going to bury him. They're going to honor the patriarch. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his name, will forever be synonymous with the great nation of Israel, God's people that we are grafted into. And he says this. He looks at his family all around him and he says this. Listen to me. Bury me next to Leah. Because when you come to the understanding that when you need God the most is when he shows up the best and you begin to not rely on your own cunning and your own deviousness and your own trickery and your own devices and we think we we can trick and outwit God can I tell you this morning you can't he understood something that I know a lot of people in this room have come to the conclusion of that it wasn't the dream that made you grow into Christ it was the difficulty. Yes. 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 Amen. Because those mornings you woke up and you didn't feel like you could put your feet down on the ground and head in the direction God told you. You feel so disappointed by life. You feel so disappointed, dare I say, disappointed in even your heavenly Father this morning. But you get down to that place in life and you say, God, if it hadn't been for that circumstance, I never would be as close to you today as what I am. If it hadn't been you getting my attention, again, I'm talking to people who learn things the hard way because I am one of those people. You say, God, if I hadn't been through that. I was talking to my daughter, having a very long, awesome spiritual conversation last night. I said, some people don't change Holland until they hit rock bottom. She said, well, what's rock bottom? And I laughed and I said, I'm glad you asked me that question. I'm glad you don't know what that is. But you're looking at a man who's been there a few times in my life. But when I got my eyes off of what I thought I wanted and looked up, there was Jesus. And he had his hand out. That's all God's doing for you this morning is he knows some of you have hit rock bottom and you're so tired of reality that you've lost your dream. And your dream is what wakes you up and keeps you motivated and keeps you praying and keeps you focused and keeps you... You know what my dream is? That Homo Sasso would be reached for Jesus Christ. That's my dream. And listen, if I've got to wake up next to Leah's every single... Y'all are looking at me like, you better be careful, Jack. you got a Leah at home. She knows. And that godly woman of God, woman of faith, awesome. God, I married so far above... <laughs> my station with her. We just look at each other and we know what God put in our heart. And we know we haven't seen it yet. And we know we're walking through a lot of reality right now, a lot of hard reality. Hard reality. Not knowing what to do. When I say I don't know what to do, I do. I begin to lift my song to the Lord. Begin to let praise come up out of my heart. Begin to understand that we are kings and priests according to what God said, not the world said. We have the authority of God in our life and in our heart. So I can begin to take authority over these things going on in my life because God is teaching me something about himself. Bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Here's the first place I want to go and ask this question because this is important. 
This is the first thing I feel like the Holy Spirit is just going to touch you and restore. Restore to you. Is that at one time, God placed a dream. God placed something so deep in your heart. And because of the difficulty, because of the trial, because of even being disappointed in God, you have let that dream scatter. Would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? Because I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 You guys feel the Holy Spirit in this room? Jesus. Jesus. Father, you're the giver of dreams. You're the giver of vision. You're, You're the giver of life. Every good and perfect gift comes down from you, the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow and there is no turning. Father, I pray today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, you hovered over the face of the darkness and deep. And when the word was spoken, you said, let there be light. God, I pray that you would light the dream in the hearts of the people who raised their hand, that they have let that dream scatter. And I'm telling you from full confidence from the Spirit of God in this moment that I'm in this room, just as sure as I'm standing here, He is here and He's fanning to flame that dream that you had. Some of you have been called into a place of ministry and you thought, no, I've messed up too much. I've had too much happen. The call and gifting of God is without repentance, the Word of God says. (laughs) For many are called, but few are chosen. He laid His hand on you, sir. He laid his hand on you, ma'am, and he laid his hand upon each person in this room for a plan and a purpose, and it's to bear fruit for the kingdom of Christ and his God. And God is fanning to flame. He's bringing bringing that back to you. He's bringing back to remembrance the joy of your salvation, the simplicity of just being in love with him. There's someone in here that you have gotten to a stage of life where you think that this is all there is. There's just the mundane realities of life, doctor's appointments and difficulties, hardship and bone aches. And I want to speak the word over you, contentment. Until you become become content in the season and see what God is showing and doing in you, And even be content, listen to me, I don't know why I'm saying this, with the passage of time. The passage of time. God fanned a flame that dream. Fanned a flame that dream. Second group I want to deal with is this. You're facing some really difficult realities this morning. You say, well, Pastor, how are you going to pray for me when God has that reality in my life right now. Here's how I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray God would strengthen you and God would speak to you and that you wouldn't lose your song in the season you're in. (laughs) If you don't leave with anything else, leave with that. Don't lose the song in the season you're in because God's birthing a new anointing of praise. God's birthing a new anointing of praise in your heart and in your life. Spirit of God, we lay ourselves before you and surrender all of our preconceived notions, all of the things that we thought of the way it should go, and we just acknowledge today that, Lord, you are in control. When we surrender our lives to you, when you have adopted us into the family of God, we are no longer orphans, but we are adopted children of the Most High. And, God, you are in control of our lives. So, Lord, I pray today that those who are facing hard realities would learn the lessons and we would not lose our song, but that we would let a fresh authority praise rise up out of us, God, that we begin to shift circumstances. We begin to break down the barrier that the enemy has placed before us. And God, I even pray for this church right now. God, I pray that every every place the enemy has set up a stronghold or a defense against what you're moving us into, I call it broken in Jesus' name. That God, you... You are leading us forward. You are bringing us to the place of fruitfulness. You are bringing us to a place where new things are birthed, Father. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. One last question. You've hit rock bottom and you don't know where to go in this room. I came to tell you, you can turn your life over to Jesus. And I'm not one of those preachers that tells you everything just gets rosy right away. But I know this. If you sow enough seeds of faithfulness, God will continually bless you. Continually. So heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me ask you, do you want to just say, I want to reach out and take the hand of Jesus and commit my life to him this morning? Would you shoot your hand up if that's you? God's dealing with you about repenting of your sin and putting your faith in him. Amen. There's people going to commit their lives to Christ right here in this moment. And listen to me. You believe in your heart and what's in your heart you confess with your mouth. And the Bible says they shall be saved. It's about turning away from selfishness in your sin and receiving the free gift of eternal life that Jesus offers. So let's all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I come to you today today, and I acknowledge acknowledge that I'm a sinner sinner, and I have fallen short short of your standard. standard. I have sinned sinned against you you and against others. I have committed sin, and I have done things that I knew to do and didn't do. So, Father, today, I ask you to forgive me, wash me clean, change my heart. I dedicate to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family, you guys who raised your hand. When you commit your life to Christ, you join a body, and this is one of the best bodies around, I believe. Amen? Amen. I do want to announce this because of all the stuff going on and all the stuff I have on my plate. We're not going to do prayer meeting tomorrow night. We will next Monday, okay? So Monday night prayer, a week from tomorrow at 6.30. Wednesday night, I'm going to be finishing the book of Philippians, chapter 4. I want to invite you out to come. It's our Bible study on Wednesdays. We have Bible Kids Club and all those different things. And if you will, have grace on me today. I'm going to cut out of here uh, pretty much as soon as we say amen and go home and be with Leah. Amen. And ask her to forgive me. Amen. Love you all. Go in the name of the Lord. Nobody's told you they love you today. Your pastor loves you. If you need anything, let me know. We're here.